You're listening to the Ambition Incubator podcast, and I'm your host, Deirdre Morrison. My thing is helping people understand how our brains work so that we can be better and do better in any area of life that's important to us. So as well as bite-sized brain science, I'll be bringing you interviews and advice from experts and guests who specialize in working with entrepreneurs and leaders to help them explore potential, possibilities, and ways to be more effective. And the best bit? We can start right now. I've been working on something I'd like to share with you. It's one of those projects that wouldn't let me alone. When I daydreamed, I'd find myself planning what I'd do and how I'd do it. But it's one of those things that's not really a one-person project. So one day, I told some of my most awesome colleagues about this idea that I couldn't get rid of. And in a move that I'm eternally grateful for, they all agreed to join me in putting their energy into helping this idea come to life. Our mission, based on our collective interest, Applied Neuroscience, is to create awareness and to evoke change. So today, I'm going to do something a little different. We've been sharing short conversations about things that we all run into in our lives and interweaving these conversations with how our knowledge of applied neuroscience has helped us to navigate these situations. I've chosen two of them to give you a flavor of what we're doing, and I'd really appreciate it if you'd pop over and visit our website at neurodevelopmentinstitute.com and subscribe to our YouTube channel to see what we're up to. First up is a conversation with Margaret Hayes. Margaret and I have been study buddies for quite some time. Margaret has an exceptional canvas on which to use her knowledge. She's a learning and development specialist for one of the biggest retail groups in Ireland. And in our first conversation, it was clear just how much she incorporates what she has learned into her day-to-day business. What is it that we know now that's made a big difference for us since we started looking at and working with applied neuroscience? Margaret, there was something that you came up with that I thought was really, really interesting because it just takes in so many things. What have you got? Okay, Deirdre. Yes, I've been thinking about this. And the one thing that comes up for me is feedback. Feedback. Um, If I had known more about neuroscience years ago, it would have made such a difference. I mean, uh, feedback, when we think of feedback, we think of um, somebody sitting down or saying, can I give you feedback? And nine times out of 10, you're thinking, oh, my God, what have I done? This is negative feedback. However, I think feedback is not always um, words. I mean, growing up as a child, I remember, you know, a look would be enough feedback. So um, it's like, don't go there. Don't ask that. Don't do that. And you nearly froze on the spot. Yeah. And um I think it's body language, it's the messages that we give out, the messages that we receive every single day. Yeah. Every single day. And if I had known then what I know now about neuroscience, that we actually have the choice and the power, whether we receive or take that feedback, whether we say thank you, you know, and it actually happens even in shops. Yeah. We go into shops and maybe we're annoyed with the assistant or whatever. However, what impact did we have on it? Mm -hmm. And I mean, we can only have responsibility for ourselves. We have the choice. We do. We definitely do have the choice. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, as you're talking about that there, you know, that there are so many other little subtleties in this as well. So we've got, for instance, as you say, we have a choice about how we act, react or interact with that person. But also Mm -hmm. the thing that comes up when you're talking about it is that, you know, 
when we're working on ourselves, if we're working with a coach or whatever, they will um, often ask us to observe our own emotions in, in the moment. And then I guess with this information, with these tools and so on, we can step outside of what we're feeling and what we're thinking. And we can also recognize that what we are perceiving in the other person is not necessarily about us. It's And that, I think, is one of the assumptions that, you know, we we look at that person standing in the shop, the till assistant or whatever it is, and we assume that they're just being grumpy with us and not actually wondering or being curious about what else is going on for them or what was the last person like? What's the next person like? What difference can we make right now as we sort of are the point of interaction for their day? Can we put it on a better course for them and for ourselves? Absolutely. And I totally agree, Deirdre. And it's like our interpretation of it. You know, it's what we interpret this person is going to do. They're going to give us bad service or um, even from the assistance point of view, this is just another grumpy customer. You know, so it's it's what they perceive, what they interpret. But mm-hmm. in actual fact, in neuroscience, it's like it's all about interpretation. It is. You know, it's like how we interpret it. And it's based on past experiences. So we can actually change that and make a new experience. That's not always the case. And I mean, I come across that quite a lot because in my job, I'm in and out of shops. I deal with shops all the time. I work for a wonderful company that I suppose enable us to have training in this as well. Mm-hmm. and yeah it's how we interpret it and it's catching that in the moment and then we have the choice to change that is this true is mm-hmm. this true it's one question we need to ask like is this true how do we know it's true yeah and we're actually changing that experience then for the next time and you know it's it's wonderful as I said if I had known that before it would have made such an amazing experience in my life but I know it now yeah and it is practice it is practice you don't get it all the time you have to work at it Mm. um however it makes your own life much better and Mm. it makes the people that you interact with it makes an impact to those people as well Mm. you know Mm. and I think you know one of the other things you know when when people approach someone as you know just like a, a stereotype almost of that shop assistant friend we'll just go with that yes. because you mentioned yes. that so it's like all shop assistants are grumpy and you know it, it's it we have a very um we lob all people in together but of course they're not all people are they it's um absolutely absolutely and it could even be a brand of shop you know and it's like oh that brand of shop like the the assistants in their behave in a certain way Mm. But it's not actually, it's we all need to take responsibility for our own, mm. our own behavior every time we interact with a person. Yeah. Regardless if they're a shop assistant or a friend or whoever, we need to take responsibility. And again, we're going back, we have choice. How mm. are we interpreting it? And every time that you change that, you change your next experience, you change your you change your interpretation for the next time. So it's building and that actually has a ripple effect. It really does, Margaret. I mean, that that is just, I guess, a perfect summary of why we're doing what we're doing as well, because, you know, we know that 
every time we make one of these little changes, every time we learn a little bit about this, it does have such an impact, not just on ourselves, but on those people that we meet, we work with, the people that we care for, because we are changing our own nuts and bolts, I guess, for mm-hmm. better ones that, you know, aren't as creaky or as agitated whenever something happens. Yeah, I mean, it it, it is very, very uh, deep stuff, actually, isn't it? But, but quite exciting. Yeah, but quite exciting. And fun. <laughs> Let's not forget fun. Where would we be without a bit of fun? Where would we be without a bit of fun? Yeah, practice and fun. The second conversation I want to share is one that I had with Gabriella Benku. Gabrielle and I were randomly assigned, and it turns out fortuitously assigned, to the same breakout room one day. But our shared interest in brain science saw us discussing and collaborating long after the breakout room was consigned to the digital dustbin. In this chat, we dig into something that also ties into how we receive feedback, as well as how we approach many situations, opportunities and relationships in our lives. And today we are going to talk about the inner voice. So, Deirdre, yeah, I can see the smile on your face. <laughs> yeah, <was> that? <laughs> such a great topic, isn't it? Um, and this is the thing, everybody, everybody at some level has this inner conversation. Well, actually, I think there are a few people who don't, but very, very few people don't have this level of inner conversation that arises for us. And it's really quite often to do with, you know, thing very few people have an inner, an inner voice that, you know, is their inner cheerleader. (laughs) This is, I think, why we have it as being synonymous with the inner critic. So many more inner critics than inner cheerleaders. Yeah. It's uh, it's really self-saboteur, inner critic, the negative, right? Mm. And and uh, what is uh, what was a little bit reassuring for me to to know that this is a universal voice. Everybody has it. So there are, I think, more than seven billion people on this earth now. And uh, it would have been great if I had known that long time ago when I when I first became aware of it. And a lot of people, when we start talking about it during coaching sessions, you know, you feel isolated with this voice. You think it's only you. And, uh, and after a while, uh, when, you, when you realize this is a universal and uh, by neuroscience, we can give some explanation, right? Mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, one of the things about this, this voice when we you know hear these little messages very clearly they're they're part of the brain's function to protect us you know it's this is a lesson that's been learned somewhere along the way and this is teaching us or this is showing us or giving us guidance on how to avoid the thing that you know the outcome that we don't want so it might be if it's a a, a saboteur kind of thing that you know we don't want to fail we don't want to be embarrassed or shown up or made to feel like we're a, a fraud in some way so we might um think that oh well you know you you can't do that for some reason whatever form that that message might take for us yeah yeah, exactly, and uh, and actually, this is hardwired in our brain. So this is this comes from our past experiences, right? So yeah, yeah, but n- not. I mean, not quite hardwired. I mean, this is the thing. This is the great thing about the brain. Right. Is that we we do have neuroplasticity. We can change these things. But um, I think one of the one of the problems is that people kind of go all or nothing with these. Um, and one of the 
things that I love to think about is that, you know, this is here for a reason. This is this has worked. We're still alive. As far as the brain's concerned, it's worked. But it's not about the hard wiring because everything in all of our beliefs, all of our thinking can change. So we've got um we've got to work out what is it that it's telling us? What is it that it's trying to protect us from? Is this really rational thinking now? What else can we think? What else is true? And how can we how can we look at it from a different perspective? Because realistically, we've had these voices, most of us, for so long. They go way back before we can even remember in some instances. So what they're trying to protect us from is not necessarily there anymore. Yeah, yeah it's so true because uh, it might have been useful before. Mm. Is it useful now for us or is it limiting us? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we've, we've got this. Um, this thing as well that you know we talk to ourselves almost more than anyone else talks to us we have this running conversation inside and I remember sitting with someone and I think she'd forgotten that I was there this is one of the smartest and most capable people that I've ever met and she was sitting trying to do something um, with a, a difficult form online it was you know just one of these mazes of the internet and trying to get something done and it it was against a deadline and she was sitting there and as I said I think she'd forgotten that I was there because she was repeating to herself over and over again I can do this I can do this I can do this I know I can do this I can do this you know so this was this was what she was telling herself and I think that you know when we recognize that we can actually change the messages that we can actually create the new habits to go with the voices when we can integrate the lessons from the voices with the actual objectives that we now have then we have a different relationship with them yeah and uh, there might have been that little voice saying you can't do it but she was reaffirming herself i can do this and and this is kind of refocusing on this affirmation that I can do this and believing in that. And then this is about neuroplasticity, right? Because you muscle it up. You muscle this message up. Mm. It's like, it's like, you know, I mean, when we do something once, we do something once. That's great. But it's like the line of footprints in the snow. One line doesn't make a path. You've got to walk over and back across it to strengthen it, to actually make it into a proper path that you can see. And this is, you know, they say as well, what what fires together, wires together in terms of making those new neural connections. So the more we do something, the more we, uh, the more thought we give it, then that's how we actually start to think and start to see things. So if we start to, you know, if we keep that negative frame, if we keep those voices that are telling us that we shouldn't or that, you know, we, you know, somehow we're going to be scolded or we're going to look stupid or whatever it is that we have been telling ourselves all along. That's where our attention is going and we're feeling those things because that's where our attention is. Whereas if we look at the evidence for what we have accomplished and actually take time to think about, right, okay, well, I have done this. I have got to this stage, whatever stage I'm at. I have managed to do X, Y, and Z. I am capable. I know that I can do this. I can get help if I don't feel fully capable myself. But, you know, thinking about it in terms of 
what's possible rather than how we might somehow lose so it's it's as i'm listening to you really it's taking time to also appreciate progress yes and yes this is so important and after that kind of looking into the into the future and and trying to think about the next steps and trying to create this new positive habit yeah absolutely trying to to strengthen yeah and and it, you know, looking at the success, celebrating success, that is so important in terms of enhancing these more helpful voices. And I, I remember someone saying once that, you know, we're very we're very good at looking at failures and having postmortems of failures and why things went wrong. But realistically, we need to look at why things went right as well. We need to, you know, see what our contribution to that was, what it was that we did that actually helped us to get what we wanted at that time. And how can we do more of that? Yeah, yeah. It's very important, I think, uh, what uh, that that not just focusing on the learnings, but also mm. what we have been doing already well. Because yeah. we want to strengthen those neuropaths. And, uh, and also, of course, we have to work on the neuropaths uh, that we want to strengthen. But it's, it's just we want to go to the right direction, mm-hmm. not just always thinking about new learnings, but also appreciating that this is going well and this is I want to continue doing that. I hope you have enjoyed those snippets. And don't forget that right now, all the profits from sessions booked with us through the neurodevelopmentinstitute.com go to organizations working to provide humanitarian relief for refugees who are caught up in areas that are torn by conflict. We'd all be incredibly grateful if you could help us to spread the word. You can do this by sharing the podcast with somebody who'd love to try an applied neuroscience coaching or development session, or by liking and subscribing to our YouTube channel or our Facebook page. As always, I'll put the links in the notes and on the blog. Thank you for listening, especially this time. You're still here? Great. Look, I know there's a lot to choose from out there, so thanks for flying with Ambition Incubator Airlines, and I look forward to seeing you on board again soon. Seriously, though, thank you for tuning in. My guests and I love hearing about what inspires you on the show and what advice has made a difference in your life or work and what you'd like more of. So get in touch. If you want to know about my other work, head over to ambitionincubator.com for details. And don't forget to hit subscribe for more great interviews, advice, and bite-sized brain science every week. 